Welcome to the Military Bottom Line Podcast, where we help you make the most out of your own military contract. Have you ever wondered if military recruiters lie in order to get people to join the military? Well, today on the show, I have career recruiter, Gunnery Sergeant Richard Marco. He's been a recruiter in the United States Marine Corps for over eight years and has directly impacted over 300 individuals' choice to join the Marines. He shares a lot of good info on how to deal with recruiters, whether to trust recruiters, and how to ensure success throughout your military career. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey, Rich. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, well, uh, thanks thanks for having me. It's a cool, yeah, cool experience. This Absolutely. is my first uh, internet fame, claim to fame. Perfect. Well, I hope it uh, serves you well then. <laughs> Well, actually, it, it is my second. It's my second, but this is the first time that I'm getting recognized for it. Awesome. So, I will. I guess uh, it would be my first. I'll I'll make sure to to link your social so everybody can find uh find your famous self. I did uh I did link my famous one to my social media, so that'll be cool. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I know you're uh you're out enjoying that San Diego weather right now, as uh as you've newly been stationed out there. Um. How long how long have you been in now? Uh, I joined July of 2009 right after high school and so this will be 11 years this year. Cool. And uh, give us some backstory on kind of your uh, in what capacity you you've you've been involved in the military because I know you kind of you started as a reservist if I'm not mistaken and then switched mm-hmm. over to the active duty side and um, give us a little insight on your career. Yeah. Um, so starting out, I, like you said, I was a reservist. My main priority when I joined was to go to school. Uh, I was considering some officer programs, but that's kind of like the whole when and why I joined type deal, uh, which is, I think everyone has anyone who isn't like that person that walked in and said they want to be a Marine. I feel like has like that, that story about how they joined, how the recruiter got them to join, uh, <laughs> the Marine Corps or whatever service over that. And the, the story for me, I guess, when I wanted to join was I was going to go to reserves. I was going to go the officer route and go to college in the meanwhile. Right. So that was how I kind of started out. So I was over in miles 49, which is over in Newburgh and I was a maintenance administrative specialist. And my, my joke about that is, is finally, you know, someone other than my mom, you know, whatever girlfriend I had at the time would say that I was special. <laughs> and, but, but it's, but it's a cool, it's a cool basic job. And basically what we did was the maintenance records for any aircraft. And I, I, I would say it's cool because in that particular field, it's the only, to the extent of my knowledge, really the only like aircraft field that works with directly with aircraft that isn't aircraft specific. So you could really take that job uh, at any, any air, aircraft, rotary, fixed wing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, again, like I'm pretty sure like that's the only one that you can move aircraft to aircraft. The other ones that you're kind of like stuck in this, uh, this lane. So I did that on and off and participated in a couple exercises, but my main focus was the reserves in college. And I did that for about, two and a half years, three years till I volunteered to come out on recruiting duty. So since then I've been on recruiting duty, um, since 
December 2012. So, so it'll be eight years this year that I've been recruiting in some, some shape or capacity, whether it would be meeting people, uh, helping them through the process, or managing that whole process. And now currently I'm working with uh, instructing people on how to go out there and you know recruit the next generation of Marines. So what I understand of recruiting is usually it's like a, a temporary, you know, a three-year stint kind of thing, and then you go back to your job. So at what point are you labeled a career recruiter and they don't expect you to go back to your original trade? Yeah, uh, so you're right. It's a temporary job normally. It's usually a gig for about three years that a Marine or any service will do it. Now, each service has a different way that they do their career recruiter, so obviously I can only speak for uh, the Marine Corps perspective on this. And each service does have them. So for our standard is you're, you're going to end up being a recruiter most likely, you know, shaking hands, meeting people, uh, mentoring them through the process, you know, their paperwork, uh, working in a team, uh, being, being one of the just sort of regular generic recruiters. But the, the big difference for Marines compared to the other services is you have to actually manage a office successfully for one year at a minimum and successfully would mean that you send the right amount of people to boot camp, right? So we have an assigned mission for how many people we need to send to boot camp, an assigned mission for how many people we need to put in each year uh, from reserves, active duty, male, female, that whole deal to make mm-hmm. sure that the Marine Corps is reflective of the United States populace. Mm-hmm. And once you've done that, then you can apply for being a career recruiter. Normally in, in our field, from my experience, you kind of have to be nominated for that. You know, the other career recruiters are going to come in and, you know, notice that you kind of have a great skill set of leadership, developing, running and managing an office because recruiting is a, a high stress job. And, yeah. you know, even during COVID right now, you know, recruiters are out there looking for the next generation of Marines and, and they're getting creative on the way that they have to approach with schools being shut down you know, social distancing, all those things. Um, but, you know, the Marine Corps, you know, we make mission and, you know, that's, that's what we do. We adapt and overcome. And, and those dudes are, they're doing the, the, the Lord's work, so to speak in that. Right, right now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that, that kind of brings up a, an interesting topic. Um, you know, we all know and have heard stereotypes of, of military recruiters, you know, like they have a quota and they'll do whatever it takes to meet that quota. Um, whether, you know, and I, and I kind of want to, I kind of want to get into that a little bit with you and, uh, shine some light on with, you know, being a recruiter for a number of years at this point, um, and on the other side of that coin, what it looks like from your perspective. And if, if you guys truly will, um, you know, sell it, uh, at any cost kind of (laughs) thing. Well, so we have this we have this way of going about answering questions when you get a tough question, right? The whole idea of it is to take, take the sting out of it when we teach new recruiters how to answer questions, you know, cause there's always those gotcha questions, right? We see it sure. in politics and everything else. Yeah. And not that this is a gotcha question, but the way we teach Marines to handle this is don't take it personal. Look at it from the institution's answer. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, I'm not going to take that personal. I'm going to take it from the institution's answer. And, yeah. and, and that's not, you know, a, a scapegoat of giving you a real answer. I, I think that is the real answer. And we can look at today's society like with 
for instance, the, the protesters versus rioters and, you know, good cops versus bad cops and, you know, are all bad cops representations of, of good cops and same mm-hmm. thing with uh, looters to pro- protesters. So in the short answer, I'll say it's like that. Of course, there's dudes out there who will say the right things to the right person at the right time, mm-hmm. uh, which might be a stretch of the truth or the imagination. Gotcha. However, I think what we have to remember too is the internet makes everything really readily available. Mm-hmm. And what I would tell someone who's going through the recruiting process, regardless of service, if you're getting told something that doesn't feel good, doesn't sound good, or sounds too good to be true, yeah, Google it. Yeah, uh, it's it's all there, so you sure. just Google it. And one of the unique things that makes the Marine Corps different compared to the other services is that we do this thing called consult consultative selling, right? That's what we teach our Marines: consultative selling skills. So what do we want to do? We want to talk to them, uh, the potential applicants. We want to find out what motivates them. We want to find out what they need, uh, what drives them. And then what we want to do is connect the Marine Corps, you know, features, right? The things that we offer uh, to those needs and motivators and show them how to do, how to, how to achieve that. Right. So Will Smith has this motivational uh, video. I think it's a really great way to put it. And in it, he says, don't have a plan B. Plan B distracts from plan A. Hmm. So what we want to do as recruiters, right, with that consultative mindset is we want to get rid of plan B entirely. And we want to make your plan A uh, the most, like, crazy, awesome, you know, best plan possible that nothing can stop you from reaching to that next level. Yep. Right? And I, I'm sure from your experience and people that you know, and 90% of the people that join the military will say this, is there's a lot of things that they didn't know before they joined that they learned when they did join. Or there's many things they learned after they joined that they didn't take advantage of. So it's our job to kind of connect all those dots and lay out that, that battle plan, so to speak, and allow those individuals to have a game plan over the next 4, 8, 12, 20 years of their life. Yeah. Uh, to help them achieve what they're looking for. For sure. And I, I think that brings up an interesting point or makes me think of um, it's not uncommon when you're, you know, in in the Marine Forces kind of thing, full-time thing, uh, to hear people say, like, oh, my recruiter screwed me or, uh, you know, to basically blame their recruiter for, <laughs> for their problems two, three years uh, later kind of thing. Um and I think, you know, it's pretty common these days that everybody's looking for somebody to blame. Uh, and so, you know, in my experience, I usually think of it like, okay, this individual um, has failed to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And so they're, they're putting on somebody else. Um, but I mean, I know I didn't have a negative experience with, with my recruiter. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they were dishonest or, or led me astray at all. Um, but, but I know there are people that are quick to to blame you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, someone's got to be the, the, the bearer of bad news. I so so to speak. Yeah. And, um, I think you're right. I think a lot of people find reasons to do that, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, um, you know, if you want something bad enough, you're going to figure out how to capitalize on that. Yeah. And I, I would tell you now, like when I was what we call a canvassing recruiter, when you're out shaking hands and making the phone calls and trying to find people going to high schools, 
I would tell you like a majority of the people that I enlisted, mm-hmm. they had no interest in being a Marine ever up until I talked to them. Yeah. You know, so that whole mindset of like, let me enhance your plan. Let me show you how the Marine Corps can help you get to your goals quicker. Like that was the name of the game for me. Yeah. Uh, because, because there's very few circumstances that someone can convince me differently that the Marine Corps is not the best way to start off your life. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a fair argument. And, you know, after, after my experience uh, in the Marine Corps and now being in the air guard, I can, I can, I can speak to it. Like it's a good place to start. Cause I, I think that uh, it instills a lot of, uh, you know, confidence and a lot of intangible um, benefits that, uh, that you walk away with that other branches don't. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they do, they do. Right. So um, like when I joined, um, I, I joined and I almost joined the army. Uh, I actually had a ROTC scholarship, reserve officer training course scholarship. For those of you who don't know to go to uh, Syracuse university huh. in New York. Um, so that, that's a full ride. Yeah. And four years up front, for those of you who don't know, uh, each service has their own version of it. And I, I remember I remember my meeting with, like, the brigade commander. And uh, she was a short chick, kind of frumpy, right? And, I mean, we were almost as far as you are from me, right? You're, you're in New Hampshire. I'm in California. Like, we're sitting across the table pretty far. Mm-hmm. And I could just smell her breath, like the coffee on her breath. And it was like, super terrible. I, I remember it, like, really vividly. Yeah. Right. And all my friends are doing ROTC. It seemed like a good deal. You're going to be an officer, you know, army, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I wasn't educated on the services. And I was like, cool, I'll do it. So I ended up getting the scholarship. Uh, Marine Corps did call me up. I didn't meet with them, but I didn't end up joining at the time. This was like around January of my senior year. And then the summer came. And when the summer came, Marine Corps did a follow-up call with me. I was like, all right, I mean, I'll hear you out. You know, in retrospect, I should have, you know, just like, oh, I already have a plan. Mm-hmm. But whatever that dude said to me on the phone, it was enough for me to come back in and, and just hear him out one last time. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I remember I had this, uh, he was a machine gunner dude. I mean, he had to be like 6'4". You know, I'm, I'm six foot, and he, he was a big dude to me. Mm-hmm. And I started asking him questions about the officer program because, well, you know, that's what I was going to do in the Army. And he was kind of stumbling over his words, right? And I just remember this, like, little tiny dude, this little staff sergeant, right, E6. And he's like, hey, sergeant, why don't you run next door? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this for you, you know? Here comes this, like, five-foot-five dude telling this dude who's, like, six-foot or six-foot something, like, a full-foot tall of them, couple, couple, like, 100 pounds more on him at least, and just tell them what to do. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you step back. You know, when you're in high school, you see someone five, five telling someone, you know, six, four, what to do. You're kind of confused on why that guy's listening to him. Right. <laughs> so I was already intrigued. And, uh, we go through this whole spiel and, and really for, for me, he kind of, this is what he said to me. And 18 year old me might've been a little egotistic, mm-hmm. maybe some arrogance. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I might still have some of that today. Yeah, just maybe a little. <laughs> maybe a little bit. And he goes, look, look, dude, 
uh, you're going you're to join the military. That's, that's what it looks like it's you're going to do. So the really big question you have to ask yourself is this. You want to play modified with the Air Force? No offense to you. <laughs> Air Guard style. Do you want to play JV with the Army and the Navy? Or do you want to play on the varsity team and be a United States Marine? Right? All that pause for effect, all that good stuff, mm-hmm. you know, gets the emotions going. <laughs> and 18 year old, he's like, oh, I want to play varsity. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Right? Now, uh, looking back, to go back to what you were saying, you know, the intangible part, I think we focus on the intangibles a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, the go getters, which are in every service, yeah. they're going to develop that those intangibles, I think, regardless. For sure. Uh, it's just different, right? The Army, last that I knew, in order to be a squad leader in the infantry, you had to be an E5 sergeant. Mm-hmm. You and I both know in the Marine Corps, uh, rank doesn't really mean a whole lot when it comes to billet. It comes down to uh, if you're capable, more competent than the others that are you know, in your shop, so to speak. Yeah. You know, there's Lance Corporal squad leaders out there during Iraq and Afghanistan and even now. Uh, you know, and I think that's really powerful when you talk about, like, for us being air wingers, right, that, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Lives are dependent upon us, you know, to make sure we do our job correctly. But it's not the same as a dude that's in the front lines fighting the fight. And when you put faith in this, this 19-year-old kid versus this 22-year-old kid, right? And there's a – I don't say kid to, demeaning, but, you know, yeah. we're young, right? Mm-hmm. Because that 19-year-old shows something that that 22-year-old can't. That's powerful, right? And that saves lives. That's potential. And that causes that 22-year-old to say, well, what am I doing wrong? And, mm-hmm. and it makes them step up to the plate or it makes them go away, you know? And, and uh, I think the unique thing is we all get to decide what that's going to be, you know, whether we're going to step up to the plate and, you know, fight for what we want or if we're going to let that go off to the side, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. What, what do you feel like, um, you know, an individual that's maybe approaching the, the military recruiters, you know, maybe they haven't made up their mind. They're, they're, they're kind of just thinking about this, this as an opportunity as a whole. Uh, what should they be focusing on before they make such a decision? Mm, I think they need to do. Well, first off, I think I think uh, I'll never discredit this because I think it's important. Um, you need to go talk to a recruiter, right? And I and I say that because you and I can have a conversation, right? And people can even listen to this and they can get a feel for uh, what it means to be a Marine, uh, who we are as an organization, but but it might not be relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be valuable, but it might not be relevant. And, and I think that's really, like, for instance, you know, if you had a thousand dollars in Euro right now, like Best Buy is not taking that if you go there, mm-hmm. it's still valuable, but it's not relevant to you or your life. Right. So I would say something like this is, is, is valuable, but it might not be relevant to that specific individual. Same thing with talking to a family member who served, um, their experiences are valuable, but they not, that might not be relevant. And hopefully the recruiter does a great job of connecting the value and the relevance to that individual. Hmm. Uh, secondly, I would say is 
you need to do self-reflecting to figure out what you want. Yeah. Uh, services have a reputation for a reason. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, and it's not what it isn't. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what I mean is, is you could go in and go talk to the Air Force, and they have their reputation. You could go talk to the Army, they have their reputation. You could talk to the Navy, they have their reputation. You talk to the Marine Corps, they have their reputation. But, you know, there's that old saying is don't judge a book by its cover. And sometimes those reputations might be exactly what you need when it comes to who you are as an individual that you might not realize. Yeah. So, so I, I think talking to a recruiter is incredibly important. Important. Uh, I talked to two different ones, obviously. To me, the challenge, you know, the varsity side stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, the benefits are all the same. So now it comes down into, you know, how I go about it. Yeah. No, no service like they guarantee jobs. Each service guarantees jobs, but they guarantee jobs differently. Yeah. So you're, you're not really like specifically getting everything you want up front. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to have an idea of what you want to do in the service. Uh, now the services pretty much all offer the same job, same benefits. It's just going to come down to, you know, if that fits you really well, yeah. that makes sense. And, yeah. and I think you have to have that conversation with that representative to do that because you know the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is not the same as what you and I joined mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah, it's not. It's not the same that it was in two thousand. It's not the same that it was in nineteen ninety. It wasn't the same that it was in the nineteen sixties. It's mm-hmm. changed. For sure. Um, and each and each service has changed. So to go off someone else who served four years ten years ago, it's different. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's important to remember that. I'll, I'll give you an example of what's like recently changed, like the last year, right? Even for the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. you used to have to wait at least one year to apply for tuition assistance, uh, that's no longer applicable. You can start tuition assistance pretty much as soon as you graduate recruit training. Interesting. You know, I did not know that. As long as it's approved. Cool. So there's those small things that like they change. Mm-hmm. And like and like what we said earlier, right? Uh, recruiters, you know, the recruiter got me. Recruiter man got me. Well, maybe, maybe he didn't get you. Maybe you just didn't bring something up so he didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. And it's not his job to bring up every single offer that the service brings to them. It's, his job to talk to you about what's important to you. Yeah. It's your job to educate yourself past that, I think. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, speaking to you offline a while ago, um, you know, talking about like, do recruiters lie, you know? Um, and you said that, what'd you say? So, that you think they don't lie. I mean, for, for the most part, but they romanticize. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think that's, well, there's some people that lie. But again, you're dumb if you lie now because if you Google it, yeah, it's, you're 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 done. And especially with social media, all it takes is a kid to put on Snapchat like, "Hey, I talked to you know Sergeant So and So of whatever service, and he lied to me. Don't see this dude." Yeah, you know. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, that service and that individual has a black guy in that area. So you're dumb if you lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe in romanticizing uh, what the institution is right? Because the institution sets a standard. It's the individuals that fail the institution. Sure. Whether that be your leadership or not. Um, so, yeah. Do you, do you feel like most recruiters, you know, cause I, I know at least in the Marine Corps, it's a, uh, you might be voluntold to go be a recruiter. So not everybody seeks out that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like that creates a, 
division where some recruiters actually believe in what they're doing as a recruiter while others are just, let me get my numbers and go home kind of thing? <laughs> uh, I don't, so I've seen it on both sides. Uh, I, I would say there's, there's very few individuals who don't believe in the institution. Hmm. Like, think about it. Most recruiters have already, almost every recruiter is re-enlisted. Yep. There might be onesies and twosies that are still in their first enlistment and they're getting ready to re-enlist. But in order to come out, they're going to have to re-enlist. Mm-hmm. So, so I say that for this reason, man. If you, if you really think about it, it's like, you could have left. You could have left, but you chose to stay in the institution. Yeah. So it's not that you don't believe in the institution. It's just you're mad you're doing something the institution is outside your original MOS that you were yeah. very proficient at and you were comfortable in. But you know the the comfort zone is where the the mediocre go to die. Mm. So, yeah, uh, you know, being here, being in recruiting, a, a demanding uh, billet, it makes you leave your comfort zone. You yeah. know, and a lot of guys will work crazy hours just to be successful. Yeah, you know, you your life's in the in the hands of a seventeen year old that can turn around and you know smoke weed, and all of a sudden he's out of the program. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, you're, not, you're, not deal, you're not dealing with Marines that have to do what you're telling them to do anymore. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that last comment brings up a good point. Uh, you know, what are, what are things that if people are considering uh, joining or, or looking to join, what are, you know, how can they make sure that they don't get disqualified? For, like what are, what are these, these things that those 17 year olds are doing uh, that are kind of screwing them over and uh, preventing them from taking advantage of the opportunity? Um, I would imagine as I think about like who your audience would be, right. Who's looking for mm-hmm. this would be probably more of the straight and narrow kids. Um, however, like I would say the big things that people tend to get disqualified up front is like drugs are a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean necessarily they've always been a big deal to the military, but I mean, big deal. Like people just are very casual about drugs. Uh, in general now and that that's a that's a big issue uh grades i would i would honestly here here what i tell you grades grades is the biggest thing that disqualifies people i can't tell you how many people from vermont to central new york upstate new york new york city that didn't even have the basic understanding of mathematics and english in order to be eligible to join the military that graduated high school they graduated high school in New York. They got a regents. They took the state testing. They passed all of them, right? And they can't do basic algebra. They can't read a paragraph. They don't understand uh, words and what they mean. They don't read past a tenth grade reading level. That's the biggest thing. So wow. it, it, it's developing your skills in algebra, reading, word comprehension, uh, all of that, and not with a calculator. Like actually knowing how to solve those problems. Hmm. Is that, does that show up on the, uh, on the ASVAB? Yeah. Yeah. That's so when it comes to the ASVAB, there are a couple different scores, right? The armed service vocational aptitude battery test. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, technically battery means test, but we call it the ASVAB test. Yeah. So that's what ASVAB stands for. Now there's 10, if I remember correctly, there's 10 sections total in the ASVAB. Four of them are going to be, broken into English, two English, two maths. The other six are math, or I'm sorry, excuse me, 
science, critical thinking, uh, a variety of different topics to see what you're good at. So your AFQT score, what we would call your, um, what determines whether you're qualified or not. So a passing score for the ASVAB is a 31. That's to enlist, but that doesn't mean that you can enlist at any point. So the DOD came out and they said, we want a 63% alpha percentage. And alpha means 50 or higher on the ASVAB. So you can join with a 31, but you may have to wait a month or two if you're at a 31 compared to someone who's at a 50. That's the Marine Corps. Uh, now, the 63 is, is, is regardless for any service. Uh, the reason why I say it depends is because, well, um, the Army at time will do ASVAB waivers. So if you're doing an ASVAB waiver, you can join with like a 25 or higher as long as you have what we call line scores high enough to qualify you for a job. So that's under like your general thinking, your mechanical, uh, your electrical skills, um, that type of deal. Um, my, uh, my zoom is giving me notice that, uh, I'm running out of time. So I, I want to, uh, I want to, you know, finish this out with, um, kind of focusing on the bottom line for, um, what do you think, uh, is critical for success, you know, as, as somebody who is joining and somebody who's actually currently in, uh, you know, what are those key factors for ensuring success? Um, first off, and I, and I mean this in the sense that you have to have a, you have to have an attitude of learning, right? So you have to be humble in the sense of an attitude of learning. Um, you're, you're, even if you think you're the best, you're not the best. There's someone out there better than you. And that's a great thing. And, and the reason why that's a great thing is this, that means you still have room to grow. Yep. Right. So you have to go into the military, regardless of service with the attitude that I'm good where I am, but I need to pursue being the best. Um, there's a lot of people better than me and I need to prove that to be, uh, less true than it was, uh, today than tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, another one, something that, uh, you and I talked about earlier, I think is really important is to be self-aware. And what I mean by that is, is, uh, like a phrase for you would be, is you're not, you're not trying as hard as you think you're trying. Hmm. So you could think you're trying hard all day long, yep. but if you look at it, there's times where you're not right. You're on your phone, you're distracted with things. Uh, maybe, maybe it's health and you're, you know, you're, you're drinking more beer than you should. And yeah. if you're really pr prioritizing health, maybe you shouldn't drink beer at all. For sure. How important is it to you? Right. Yeah. Um, as an example, right. So, so be humble, uh, but be aggressive and confident because you know, you got to where you are for a reason. Right. Uh, Remember, you're not trying as hard as you can think you can try. And then the last thing I would say is, and probably probably the most important thing you have to do, I think, is, um, and, and I've failed at this at times. You know, I think we all have. Mm. And that's why I think this is the most important one, is there, there's that saying, you are who you surround yourself with, right? And, you know, if you're, if you're the sixth person in a, in a really smart group, you know, the fifth, if there's five really smart people and you're the sixth one, you'll become really smart because you are who you surround yourself with. Sure. And you can apply it to anything. But I would say uh, figure out how, no matter how much stress you're under, pressure you're under, how to prioritize taking care of the people that you need. And I've, and I've failed at that one. Um, 
because mission is, is stressful at times, you know, regardless of what it is, you, you want your results, you need it now, you know, you can't handle personal things because that's not the mission. That's not what the mission dictates. Right. And that's, that's an individual thing. And I think that's one of the powerful things that helps make people successful when they leave the military is they, I think we work with that in mind. How do we take care of people and accomplish our task all at the same time? Uh. Um, so probably taking care of people and figure out how you do that and take care of yourself are, are the most important things. Those other two things will come along with it. Awesome. I like it. Well, thank you, Rich. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you sharing about your career and you know, your, uh, your perspective as a recruiter and how people can, uh, you know, succeed. Um, so yeah, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad, man. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I stayed on recruiting to, to help people make that impact. And, um, you know, furthermore stayed on to help Marines be able to make that impact a little bit more effectively. So this is just one more outlet to do that. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. If, uh, if anybody has any questions for you, they can, they can find your information in the description and, uh, and connect. All right. You're the man. Thanks, man.